There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day Savings happening now at The Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Side Hustlers. If this is your first episode of the podcast, hi, I'm Carla Murray, your host from iHeartRadio. I started this podcast because someone once told me that everyone had a side hustle. And then I panicked because I didn't. So I set out to find these people who are side hustlers. And it turns out there are a lot of people who choose to work extra hours outside of their nine to five to follow a passion, something they truly believe in. This podcast has essentially at this point become my own side hustle. And it's incredible every week to hear the story of someone who is currently side hustling outside of their day job or someone who has side hustled and turned that side hustle into their full-time job. Now, this week is slightly different. We're talking to Mike Meredith. Mike is a graphic designer from Florida. He's actually the person who created my original Side Hustlers logo and the logo we're about to unveil, which is super, super cool. He's clearly a huge part of this podcast. So it's a little weird that it's taken this long for you to hear from him. But Mike has a unique story of following your passion. And while he does side hustle, the main thing you're going to learn from Mike in this episode is the importance of being a hustler, period, and how you don't have to have a second job to be passionate about what you're doing and how you can and must continue to learn through every single part of life. Mike is also a dad who just celebrated his first Father's Day, so he's going to tell us how his life has changed since being a dad, how that affected his career. This is Mike's story. For a lot of people, you know, why are you waiting? You know what you want to do. This is something you want to do. Get up your butt and do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Come on, ask about me. Yo, yo, it's the Side Hustlers Podcast with 
call him a reed. So, Mike, you're coming to us from where in Florida? Uh, South Florida. We're way down there. Uh, it's actually uh, Boynton Beach. Boynton Beach? Boynton. Oh, I was like, Boynton, Boynton. Beach would be way so much fun. It sounds awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I live at Boynton Beach. <laughs> this episode is going to be slightly different. Uh, as we've talked about, I am doing everything I can to kind of feature people who totally bring something different to the table in the world of hustling. Not necessarily always going to be side hustlers, but somehow at some point they have been a side hustler, which is pretty cool. And Mike, your story is pretty awesome and i've known you for a while now but when you wrote out your story for me i was like wow that's so cool And there's so many things i can't wait to hear about so let's get started on what you actually do now explain to people what you do yeah so uh i'm actually a graphic designer slash content creator slash (laughs) social media you know everything for uh, cbs sports I've been there for three plus years now. So, you, you know, whenever you uh, see those games on TV at night, there's reactions and graphics and stats and everything. We make those and put those up after games and such. So the first interaction you and I had was actually you tweeted at Anthony and I, and Anthony and I co-host a morning show together in Seattle, grew up in New Jersey, and had went to rival colleges which right. is Rutgers where I went and Seton Hall where he went. And every year there's this rival basketball game against the two schools. Didn't you tweet at us? You randomly made a yeah, logo yeah. for the two of us. No, yeah. My wife was listening and she was like, oh, they're doing like this like challenge where they're going to jump in the river for the team who wins. And I was like, oh, this is great. So I was like, we were at home one day and I just made it up real quick and yeah. sent it over to you guys. I love that you say made it up real quick. When you sent that to us, we were floored. <laughs> we're like, this guy on Twitter, he works for CBS Sports and he made us this logo. This is crazy. And you had listened to us from our previous morning show and kind of followed us across the country, which is super yeah. cool. But we were just like in awe, not only that someone did this for no reason, but also how well it was, how well it was done. So one, thank you for that. But that was kind hey, no of, <laughs> it was kind of a way to show off, I think, what you did. Like, hey, look, I'm, for us, it was like, whoa, this guy's awesome. Like, we're going to keep him in our Rolodex and keep working with him. And it was a cool, I think, and smart way, whether you did it on purpose or not, to be like, oh, look what I can do. I mean, I'm not going to say that wasn't, you know, <laughs> something I, I feel as artists, you got to keep that in mind when you send something out because it's like it's your baby and you're yeah. showing people what you can do. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's some a little bit of ulterior motives back behind there. Let's see what, what work you can get. But it's smart. So then after yeah. that, you and your wife were visiting Seattle and you surprised her by coming up to the studio. And we actually got to meet you guys, which was super cool. And obviously, that face to face, that real interaction makes such a difference when you know, knowing someone and working with them. So many people I've met through Instagram and everything is great and all, but the fact that we got to meet you in real life makes such a difference. And then after that, you went on to actually create the Side Hustlers logo that people have known for the last year and a half. You helped create a lot of logos for the show. I mean, you helped me launch the second or third biggest thing in my career at this point with the logo. And it's been part of this whole podcast since day one, which is Awesome. I don't think a lot of people realize that. And I'm mad that it took this long to get you on the podcast now that I think about it because you were so integral in the beginning parts of it. Listen, it was my part was little. I mean, you had a much bigger role. Am I a pain in the ass to deal with when it comes to logos? Absolutely not. I've had way worse. So we're walking the park. (laughs) Okay, good to know, because we're currently revamping the Side Hustlers logo and Mike is helping out. I did 
have, um, I don't want to say another person try to help me with a logo, but another company try to help me with a logo. And I did not like where it was going. So Mike is in to save the day. And I'm so excited for everyone to see where the podcast is going and what this logo is going to look like. But when you're working with someone on logos, one-on-one, what is the first thing you ask them? The question is, what do you want this logo to do? Because that is the forefront. You know, that's what people see. That's what you put on websites, materials, t-shirts, even bags. Like, what do you need this logo to do? You can't stick with a single type of logo for each person. The person that's doing a podcast is not going to be creating a lot of things that are going to be on like brochures and stuff like that. You know, you're looking at more digital versus say a grocery store where they're going to have to put it on plastic bags, Mm. aprons that like that's embroidery. That's a whole different type of designing, you know, only with two to three colors versus, you know, the spectrum of on the screen. So the first one's what do you need this logo to do? It has to obviously be personal and part of you or your company kind of just figuring out where it's going to go is the first step. It's obviously important for a company, a brand, a podcast to have a logo, something that represents them. What, I guess on your side of it, the design side of it, like what goes into that? You realize like you have to represent someone with an image. Sometimes people are going to see that image for a second or less and move on when you're sitting there creating. I mean, what is that like for you? Because as much as I try to quote unquote, create social graphics for our morning show, I am doing a hack job at it. I am not (laughs) doing something that is going to represent a brand and you're doing that. So I guess just from your point of view, from that creative point of view, kind of either walk us through that process or just what is it like on your side of the the world? So I feel like there is a line, those of us who design or those of you who design and those of us who don't. It's tough. There, there's definitely some some roadblocks you hit just kind of thinking there's a big common misconception with design nowadays just because the market is so saturated you know you have people you know learning at home you know not going to college and going to like uh an art school like you have the uh, you have a ton of people doing this now what separates the good from the bad are the people that take time and kind of think through things design isn't just like putting it into photoshop hitting a button and then sending it out There's, you know, methodology to it. There's the science of the colors behind it. There's how fonts look larger and bigger. So all that needs to be considered when even, you know, sketching out your first couple, your first logo that you create is never the one that goes is (laughs) chosen ever. Yeah, no one's ever like, cool, thanks, bye. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Young designers learn that you Mm. always get your shitty one out of the way first. (laughs) I mean, I'm joking around, but actually that's... It's true. That's really true. We used to do uh, critiques in college. You would always bring a couple uh, for everyone to critique. Our professors would always say, do one that is just like extremely expected. Get it out of the way. Get it out of your brain. Let everybody hate it. And then you can move on and kind of get to the more interesting stuff. So yeah, that was... I still use that to this day. I kind of, whenever I'm making a graphic. Oh, you're teaching us the tricks. How you mind I know. Am I giving it away? I mean... (laughs) I'm not a professor. No one take this uh, info now. So on you obviously work for CBS Sports, but you help people like me to create personal and uh, their brand logos. What is that process like for you? How do you meet those people? And is that your own business? Like what goes on there? (laughs) Yeah. So um, 
CVS is the 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 breadwinner. Of That's course. what uh you know puts the roof over the head. I do a lot of this side stuff you know, just honestly for fun and just for people who kind of need it. Your podcast like it was fun. I listened to the show. It was just a way to kind of interact more with athletes who I like to work with. It's the power of Twitter has been phenomenal for that just kind of getting in touch with them it's amazing what you can who you can reach through twitter you know it's with a simple a couple searches you can find management or find uh you know their agent or whatever and get in touch with them so you reach so, out to them and do like what do you say when you reach out to them i it's it's all a sales pitch it's all a numbers game you know i've i've probably sent out you know my name is michael meredith i work at cbs yada, yada, yada. you know here's my portfolio take a look you know, if you're ever interested in creating a personal brand or you need something for your website, Twitter header or stuff like that, you know, give me a call. If not, you know, have a good one. You won't hear from a lot of them, but you'll your numbers will hit and, you know, someone will come back and be like, oh, yeah, I'm looking to, you know, rebrand my Twitter page. You know, can we throw something cool up there? That's and cool. then that's that's where it starts. And if people do want to tweet you, it's underscore Mike Meredith and Meredith is M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H. Correct. Right? Yes. yes. Woo. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> reach out to him. I'll obviously, when this podcast post, be tweeting at him. So you'll be able to uh, directly find it there. But you started in such a different place than graphics and this whole oh, world yeah. and athletes world that you get to work in now. And your hustle and your journey is awesome. And when you and I were emailing back and forth, I took a quote that you said in one of the emails. And I think it's so perfect and so on point for really everyone you really hit the nail on the head so i'm going to quote you right now Ooh, in the podcast okay you said sometimes a hustle is a longer journey than we think and as long as you learn something each time you fail or each time you have a different job or each time you have success it only makes you stronger so while i have my main job as a designer for cbs doing projects for people in my free time as well like podcasts and athletes and sports blogs would be your side hustle so let's go back to when you first were in college or even okay. in high school, didn't you like art and graphics when you were in high school? I did. It was in high school. Uh, I played football. And then on the side, I was actually uh, in the art club, Nerd Alert. <laughs> so it was really just a marriage of the two but things I liked in high school. This is proof. You could you say Nerd Alert, but now you're working for CBS Sports. Yeah. Like, yeah. isn't that so badass? It's extremely true. Like in high school, you're like, oh, look at all those drama kids. They're so annoying. <laughs> yeah. Brad Pitt was a drama kid probably. <laughs> and he's rich now. So we're good. It's awesome. I love it. <laughs> so you're in the art club and you're playing football. So that's and those were always just like, oh, my hobbies or whatever. But I need to find like a job, you know. So um, <laughs> I actually was like, you know, I, I think creatively I'd like to be a teacher, you know. So I did all that. Got into college, did three years of, uh, you know, education courses and classes and, you know, shadowing teachers. And then one day I was just like, I can't do it. I don't want to do it for the rest of my life. Wow. I used, Three yeah. years. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, trust me. My parents weren't pleased about that. Decision. I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just kind of was like, yeah, I think I need to go in a different path. So actually, while taking those classes and then kind of in between doing the design program, I was teaching myself Photoshop. Somewhat, one of my friends gave me some bootlegged copy <laughs> of Photoshop. Yeah, like two, Photoshop 2. I think we're on like Photoshop like 10 now or something. What year? What like time frame was this? Uh, oh my god, this must have been two thousand and ten ish. Wow. Yeah, I'd yeah. say two thousand nine, two thousand ten ish is when I made the change. Did you actually change your major to do graphic design, or you just were self taught? So uh, at the university I went to, Florida Atlantic University down here, you go into a general arts college, 
And then the design program is actually something you have to apply for. So they take everything. So you show off like your paintings, your drawings, your photos, everything from like kind of the fine arts college. And then they judge whether you're allowed to go into the design. Whoa. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's stressful around the uh, FAUR building. You always know when people are hustling for that. So you obviously got in. I did. I obviously I got you're in. You're like, nope, I did not. <laughs> so you <laughs> nope, got yep. in. And then how many more years of that did, of school there did that, you have to I do? Mean, yeah, that was another that was another three to four. Jeez. And at this at this point, I'm like the old geezer in all of these classes. But yeah, you know, I held down jobs just to kind of make sure I was able to go to school. So I'd go to school in the morning, work at night, work during the day, go to school at night, just kind of fit it all in. Jeez. And yeah. So one of your jobs, obviously, so I have here that you worked at a pizza place. You were a student I photographer, uh, which is yep. awesome. But then you were a photo editor for Celeb Gossip for Radar Online. I, I, I was. This was, I want to say, for about a year, uh, I had a buddy that worked at Radar Online. And he was like, you know, we need a photo editor. You know, can you can you kind of fill in? I was like, sure. Had no idea what it would entail. I was like, oh, I'm going to the office. It'll be fine. No. I was waking up at like 5, 6 a.m., mm. Uh, everyone I worked with was actually in London, so I'd have to like call over to London and like buy all these photos of like Angelina Jolie out to dinner and stuff, and, and that that was a stressful job. That because one of was the tough. time, or it was the time. I think it was just also the the content. Like you were dealing with like celebrities, and like speed is when getting up a photo is yeah. the number one issue. Like. We want to be first to show this picture of Jenna Fisher eating a croissant. Like I don't know. <laughs> God. So yeah, that was those. Those were those were tough mornings. But I think that your best job, when looking at your list of things, <laughs> and I'm kind of mad that I read this and didn't have you tell me. You. Worked, <laughs> I was gonna save it, but uh, you worked for a swingers club. <laughs> I did. So. Very young. You know when you talk, people talk about taking like a weird Craigslist job. Yeah. This is my weird Craigslist. Okay. Job. So I had a person that was like, oh, there's this position in my building. You know, you should probably look at it. And I'm like, sure, fine. I kind of like taking different jobs to kind of learn different aspects of everything. So I took it. And I I don't know what I thought I would be doing. But they were like, oh, yeah, we work. Uh, we do like media for a swingers club. And yeah, there's, there's some nudity. You're not you're OK with nudity, right? And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'll, I'm sure I'll manage. I'm a 20 something year old guy. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I go to work every day. Yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> so yeah, so um, I would actually do a lot of their like party invites and like a lot of I had to Photoshop a lot of boobs and nipples out and Photoshop <laughs> on a lot of bikinis. So Oh my god. I think that to this day, my father still doesn't know I've had this job. So I hope he's not listening. To oh, this. God. So <laughs> how long did you do that job for? That one was for about a year and a half or so. Did you have to go into an office or could you work from home for that one? No, no, no. This was I went into an office that was probably no bigger than a master bedroom. And we shared it with like four people. Oh, my God. I'm telling you, this is my Craigslist job. <laughs> <laughs> so... You worked there for a year and a half, and your whole mm -hmm. thing that you kind of said to me was you learned something from every job. You took something right. away, whether it was a success or a failure. What did you take away from working for the Swingers Club? <laughs> so the biggest thing I took away was how to deal with your boss or your manager that's above you who doesn't know the creative process. It, you know, it took a year and a half to kind of figure out, okay, when someone doesn't actually know how this graphic's made, why this color is this way and stuff like that, you kind of have to almost defend what you're Ugh. designing and creating because 
we did go, I did go to school for it. Just like you went to school for business. I went to school for design. Like I know what I'm talking about. So I think the biggest takeaway was just kind of learning how to deal with upper management that didn't know about the process. Well, you're obviously there working there because you have those skills and someone else there doesn't. That is the whole point of why people have jobs and positions. But (laughs) when there is upper management who doesn't know or understand how to do other jobs around them, there is always that friction in any industry. And Mm -hmm. we see it a lot with older people, younger people. I mean, everyone says millennials know everything, millennials know everything, or they think they know everything. I mean, when it comes to social media and graphics, granted, there are people who are in other generations that do know that stuff, but I'm willing to bet that we all know it better. And yeah, or just when it, in the world of social media. So that is like this line of they hate us, we hate them. And it happens everywhere. So the fact that you learned that early on, amazing. Yeah, it's even it's scary now because like I'm 31 and I still I don't know about the new stuff coming up now half the time. So then, okay, what do you do as a graphic designer in this ever changing world to kind of stay on top of it? It's about adapting. Design changes so quickly. Since I've been at CBS, I think I've changed my position and duties like three to four times. Just, you know, I came in as a as a designer, then, you know, had to move to social designing, which is different than designing for a website. And then Facebook and Twitter changed their algorithms and now they only want video. So, you know, I've had to become a video editor on the fly. Yeah. And, you know, basically... I'm out of school. There's no there's no going to class to learn that now. So it's in between projects and at home kind of watching YouTube, watching or going on, you know, other sites to learn and just kind of teaching yourself. That's crazy. Now, do, do people at work come to you and be like, hey, we need you to learn video or it's like, hey, we need this done. And they just no, expect- yeah, yeah. my my boss was my manager now was really cool about it. He's like, listen, he's like, the scape's changing. Can you do you think you have the capacity to kind of learn this? Could you help us out? He's like, we'll give you some time and. I think he came to me and gave me like, you know, three to six months to kind of just like, just dive in, learn everything you can, and we'll see what we can pop out. And I did. I sat there and during some days, you just watched YouTube for eight hours and learned how to move stuff around and video edit and stuff. Now, do you enjoy this new, like learning? I mean, honestly, do you enjoy learning new things? Because that's a, if you said no, I hate learning new things, that'd be terrible. But (laughs) you podcast over. (laughs) All right, cool. Bye. But... (laughs) doing this video thing this isn't what you wanted to do originally you are still doing graphics but is it fun for you you're like i just want to get back to graphics it's it's you know what it's a little column a little column b you have your you have your days that are tougher than others the good news is is that these two areas are very similar so i can use the skills that i've had with design and bring it into video so it's not like it's not like i've wasted nine years or so on graphics just to learn video right there there's a mar- there's a marriage there even between design and the programs and everything like that there's some familiar familiarity oh i hate God, that word say that word i hate that Famili- word <laughs> it's like brewery nope. familiarity okay yep, Ooh, i think i got it <laughs> yay listen I'm, a, I'm i have a podcast i'm on the radio there's like a whole list of words that i my mouth will not say so i can't say the word wolf wolf you just said woof. it woof Woof. See, it sounds like woof. <laughs> you right. said it first. Okay. See, look, people, we all have things wrong with us. <laughs> so your first corporate job then after the Swingers Club was working for mm-hmm. an ad agency. Yes. And I always hear like, oh, I work for an ad agency. What the hell does that mean? Okay. So basically any billboard or online, you know, when you go to like ESPN or Cosmopolitan or wherever you go on the, on the internet in the morning, 
you know, those banners on the side or up top or everything like that, those are all run through some sort of agency. They host those, make sure they go up on billboards, make sure they go up on, you know, the TV, wherever they need to go. You know, it's a, and it's a group of people. I'd say we were a, we were a team of around 50 to 60 people. Wow. Various offices, New York, L.A., uh, Fort Lauderdale, London. And it's just a bunch. Of, it's a group of salesmen. Uh, it's a group of coders, graphic designers, account managers, you know, handling all the emails day to day. So it's it, it, that that is a process. That's so that's a team effort. What kind of stuff did you work on there? So what we did is we worked uh, a lot in the kind of gaming and entertainment world. Uh, we would put those uh, like those banners on the sites. Those uh, pop ups. Do you were are you responsible? No, no, for no, no, no. Don't okay, blame good. me for pop ups. Yeah. <laughs> that's on me. So yeah, we worked with uh, we worked with some larger companies. I like I did uh, stuff for we did stuff for Disney, cool. Nerf, what EA, some video game companies. Yeah, so we we were we were pretty up there uh, online with some of the entertainment companies. That's so cool. So then yeah. what made you want to leave there? It was weird. I still remember to this day, I got the phone call that they said that they, they were going to hire me. And I was actually in the office that I was, that I was at. And I go, okay, I'm going to have to call you back. So I hung up the phone or whatever. And I called my girlfriend, or on my wife, <laughs> then girlfriend. And I was like, listen, they're offering me this job at CBS. I really want it. Like, it's kind of a dream job, like sports and design and everything. Like, I, I, I want to take it. But it was only for a two-month contract. Ooh. Yeah, so I would have been giving up my nine-to-five, you know, paying the bills job for a shot to maybe get hired after two months. And Courtney, my wife, was like, you have to do it. She's oh my like, God. you will 100% regret it if you don't do it. So I said, okay. I got hung up and I called him back and I said, I'll take it. So did you apply for the job at CBS or did they just kind of recruit you? No, uh, we actually, it was uh, actually one of my professors while I was in school. They're like, listen, we have an alumni that work there and they're looking for more people. Throw your name in there. I'll give you your contact info and, you know, see where it goes. So I did and uh, went in there, interviewed with a bunch of people and yeah, just they called me back and I think the person that actually interviewed me got fired like a month later. <laughs> But that two-month contract turned into how many years have you been there? I've been three plus now. We're that's, going on four. That's crazy. Congratulations, because yeah. that's awesome. You. I mean, that, you took a risk, and look where you are. I And I think I'd take that risk 10 times out of 10 all over again. Like, it was just, it was worth the squeeze. Like, towards the end of any job you're in, there's, there's the days where you feel trapped and, like, I'm never going to get out of here and stuff. Yeah. And it's just, like, you got to fight through that and kind of continue working. But then when you're dream job comes along that i mean you got to jump on it oh absolutely and one of the things you said to me was um which we've kind of talked about all of the jobs you've had and the things you learned but you called it all the things to add to your work tool belt yes and the i work love tool is belt. that something you made up did someone teach you that no i actually have to thank my jv football coach <laughs> for the tool belt in football this is very sports heavy everybody i don't know if you've caught okay. that theme yet yeah <laughs> sports with a z um, right go sports ball and I played when I played football there was I was just kind of willing to do everything you know they were like you know can you play this position sure no problem can you do this sure no problem and he was like this is your tool belt you just you have all of the tools like and I was like oh okay so I kind of carry the like tool belt quote-unquote analogy a lot so yeah the design tool belt is just basically every job that I've had again you kind of have to take something away from it and you, you gain skills as you work at a place, even if you don't know it. You know, if you go from one job to another and they're like, oh, do you know this program? And you say, yeah, 
you know, you're already ahead of the curve from what they yeah, thought absolutely. you could do. Yeah, it's pretty cool to think about, you know, we, you are, and I are the same age. You've had how many different jobs since graduating college? I've oh technically been in the same company, one company, but I've kind of had a few different roles. But right. this idea of we're going to have the same job for our entire life is insane. You know, mm -hmm. everyone gets out of college and they're like, I'm going to do my dream job right now. And it's like, okay, that may not happen, but... Yeah. If you can find it, do it. Make no money doing it. Like, get the experience. That's that's what I'm trying to say. It's like experience is so important. And the work tool belt kind of proves that theory. Yeah. I have always been a believer in the uh, the doing and not learning kind of aspect. Hands on. Get in there. Yeah. Internship. Do what you got to do. There was a point in time where I was just emailing or on Twitter or whatever, just emailing athletes and being like, Hey, do you want this? I just kind of want to get this out here and get practice. It's kind of frowned upon in the design industry to do stuff for free sometimes, but like just get get the practice and get in there and learn more about what you're doing. Well, and the reason you're saying that about it being free and that whole thing, it's because you're working on art. No artist is ever sitting there painting a canvas and then saying, here, take this. Like that's right. not how that works. So there must be this inner battle within the industry of I'm trying to get ahead and I want to get my stuff out there and this is art and I'm not supposed to give it away for free. Like, what is that like? It's, it's a challenge. Sports design community uh, is tight on Twitter. Everybody kind of puts their stuff up there, critiques, feedback, you know, the, a lot, most of everyone's really friendly about that kind of stuff. And you know, there's something that comes around all the time about just people talking about, do we give stuff away for exposure? You know, some of the older guys say no, like this is a saturated market. Like what yeah. are you doing? Some of the people say, yeah, you know, if you can get your name out there, it's better. So it's, it's, that's, it's a, it's a toss up. It's, it's tough uh, to kind of work on something and then let it go into the world and kind of see what happens and see what people say about it. So sports and Twitter, obviously we all use Twitter to follow our favorite artists and tweet when we're angry or if we think we have a funny joke. But this Twitter is huge in the sports world. And I know that because we have sports guys here at iHeartRadio in Seattle and like Twitter is everything for them. So is that how really is Twitter how you found a lot of these side projects that you work on? Yeah, it is. Twitter has been hands down the most uh, beneficial for me as, uh, as of late. I, I repeat back to it's just it's very easy to get a hold of people. And I think, you know, when you're dealing with celebrities and stuff, you're like, oh, I'm one of out of a million that are probably tweeting them this day or something like that. It's fairly easy to reach out. And if you have something interesting for them, you know, to either view or see or hear or listen to, it's, you know, they're still people. They still have taste. They still have, you know, if, they, if they're digging something, they'll do it. Now, when you're putting this stuff out there on social media, does it get stolen by people? Because if you're yes. just you're talking about, oh, I'm just putting up there stuff up there on Twitter for other people to see and get critiques. Well, I could take that and use it for anything then. That's actually a big problem for designers as, as of late. It's just it's super easy to right click and copy and paste and, you know, kind of yeah. throw it up on your own. You know, you try to watermark stuff. Uh, a lot of people have like signatures on the bottom or a logo or something like that. That goes along with kind of letting the project go and just kind of seeing it's weird where it'll end up. I, uh. I did a design one time for a, a kid in college and then two to three months later, they were talking about him going to the NFL. And all of a sudden I saw my image on that website <gasps> promoting there. 
And I was like, whoa, okay, let's let's calm down. And I emailed them, like, listen, where'd you get this? And they're like, oh, we found it. We didn't know it was yours. And there's some battles you don't kind of wage, but. Did you have to prove, like, do you, in those situations, do you have to be like, ah, this, I made this. How do you prove no, that? I think you can prove, but a lot of the times if you kind of call somebody out, they'll be like, oh, sorry, you know, I don't know. Oh, Because uh. <laughs> everyone's so, afraid to be sued. <laughs> right, yes, nobody, nobody wants to be sued. No. It just kind of depends on how much of a, dick you want to be i guess (laughs) so what do you think your is your future staying with sports is it staying with cbs is it going to do your own thing ever eventually what do you see i would say sticking with sports is just kind of what i was kind of born to do it's it's just it's been in my blood growing up and everything like that i just i i couldn't see designing anything else and having as much fun or as much passion for it as i do this down the road i think opening up like going bigger and hopefully trying to defend for myself would be cool. But I think I soak up way too much info right now at like CBS or, you know, working at a larger company or even working for a team. I'd love to work for like a a national team, kind of move to that area and kind of get involved with the culture and stuff. But yeah, I think, you know, I think there's, there's something to be said about uh, kind of working with a team and gaining all the information. So the biggest job that I think you've had your entire life though, is your newest one, which is being a dad. (laughs) So when you it's, were out it's, in Seattle, <laughs> you guys, your wife, Courtney, was pregnant, but you didn't even know yet. No, we had no idea. We actually got back from our trip and we were editing. We both like to kind of do some photos. So we were doing photo out there and we were editing our photos. And I, I think I left for a little bit and I came back and my wife was like, oh, can you come check out this photo? And she was, I was like, yeah. And uh, it was just a photo of me. And it was a caption that said, this guy doesn't know he's a dad. <gasps> yeah and I, I was like i was super confused i looked at her and she was like yeah she's like we had no idea that's hilarious i love her so what yeah. has it been like in the last because he's almost a year old uh yeah he's he turns nine next month nine months nine not months nine. Yeah. <laughs> not nine yeah see i'm really good at this dad thing <laughs> so what has it been like doing your dream job learning new things at work you know this whole video editing thing and then oh I'm also a dad in these last yeah. nine months. I'm not going to lie to anyone. It's been challenging. <laughs> I won't sugarcoat it. I actually am very lucky enough. CBS is such a large company and they're very innovative of kind of the way that they're thinking. I've actually gained the trust of my manager enough, you know, through work. He kind of lets me work at night. We do a lot of stuff for games anyway, and those are normally at night. So it kind of fits in with the job that I have. So I'm actually able to watch our son during the day. My wife goes to work. She comes home. We kind of tag out, make some dinner, and talk to each other for five minutes. And then I go to work. And yeah, so that's tough. Those are the longer days. We say, me and my wife say we have an eyes open to eyes shut job, (laughs) not a nine to five. It's true. It is very true. So then what time are you getting home from work? So also a blessing is I actually get to work from home. Okay, so you're... Yeah, so if a little man's having a meltdown, I can actually be there to help out and get him to go to sleep or whatever we'd feed him or whatever we need to do. So do you ever have to go in the office? I do. I get I get uh, one day in the office to kind of get all my meetings. Those days are normally very meeting filled. Mm. But uh, And then the rest of the days are kind of uh, at night and then I'll do some weekends here. That's so awesome. it's tough. It's, yeah, it's tough. But uh, that we both get to be around uh, well, our son and we don't have to send him to daycare or Exactly. Anything. And it's also the amount of money parents spend spend on daycare is insane so the fact that you've been able to do this which is actually kind of what my parents did they would work opposite schedules a lot of time if my siblings weren't watching my younger sister and I so it is how I was raised and I would like to say I turned out pretty okay so you're good (laughs) hey all right good I'm doing good role model I'm doing okay um but obviously this episode is posting after Father's Day so it will have been your first Father's Day 
as a dad. Oh, so happy Father's so Day. I know. Thank you. It's been cool watching you guys through this process, like finding out you were having a kid and like, oh my God, what are we going to name this kid? And then going through the, the whole thing, like seeing you guys Oh my God, I forgot. We yeah. asked you guys uh, what we should name him. I forget what it was, but we were like, oh, I don't know about that one. Yeah, you, but both of you were very lukewarm yes. on it. <laughs> and who, who Mike is talking about is my co-host Anthony and I also have a podcast where Mike and his wife Courtney wrote in and wanted us to help name the kid. And I was like, I don't want this responsibility. <laughs> no one do this to me, please. I don't even want my own kids to, to name them. So please. <laughs> but it's obviously been rewarding as well for you being a dad. Oh, yeah. It's it's. It's extremely cheesy to say, but like, you know, when you have a kid and you kind of, he'll do something wrong. He'll throw something on the ground. I'm like, what are you doing? And you look at him, he just smiles and he's like, uh. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, oh, you're adorable. Come here. Like it is. It's ex- it, it, you're there's a there's a uh, switch when I was in the hospital, you know, when he was born and we're kind of sitting there and, you know, just looking at him. And it's just like in an instant, I went to like number three on mm. the priorities list of our house. Like it, it's it's my kid and my wife completely first. It, it's been great, though. It's been super rewarding. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. You're like glowing as you're talking about it. I, I can know. see oh, it's so cute. I'm blushing. I'm so hot. <laughs> okay, the less important question, but I do ask everyone: What app do you use? Now, it doesn't have to be for your job. It just okay. has to be an app that you go to every day that you love. That it's not Instagram, or Facebook, or Twitter. You can't. You've already said Twitter. I've already, I said Twitter a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's very important. Um, I'm gonna go with Lightroom. Lightroom is a photo editing app uh, that you can get on uh, Adobe and they just made one for the phone. I use my phone a lot for like inspiration. So like when we're out and like, I don't know, there's a cool tree and like compositionally it's, you know, interesting. Take a photo of it, edit it up, save it for later. So, you know, when you have that roadblock, you can kind of look back and be like, oh, this is cool. I can build off this. So it's, it's, I use my phone a lot to kind of gather inspiration and that app has uh, helped a lot. Yeah, I use Lightroom, but this whole world of presets, are you in the world of presets? I, listen, they help. But it, not everything calls for a preset. You should make your own presets and sell them like all these Insta bloggers do. I mean, I could. You're an actual professional, and I think they'd be way better <laughs> than the ones that I bought on Etsy. <laughs> fair, fair enough. You know what? We'll give it a trial run. I'll make some for you, and we can figure it out. Woo! Okay. So exciting. Oh, my God. Well, this has been awesome. I think people are really, really going to learn a lot from your journey. Um, they can go to mike-meredith.com, or they can yeah. also obviously find you online on Twitter because that is where you live and that is like you own Twitter I feel like at this point so it's much much to my wife's chagrin yes I'm on it <laughs> way too much it is underscore Mike Meredith and it, Meredith is M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H Mike Correct. thank you very much for taking the time out of your Sunday when your family is in the next room to talk to me <laughs> not a problem it was a pleasure Thank you for listening to Side Hustlers. I seriously, seriously appreciate it every single week that you take the time out of your life to listen. So thank you. I'm Carla Marie. You can find me on Instagram at the Carla Marie. But reach out to Mike on Twitter if anything in this episode resonated with you or if you want to reach out to him for doing graphics for you, doing invitations for whatever party you're having. It's underscore Mike Meredith. M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H. It's underscore Mike Meredith on Twitter. Um, It's mike-meredith.com to see his portfolio. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you have any guests that you want to hear on this podcast or anything that you want me to ask the guest, it's sidehustlerspodcast at gmail.com. Till next week, keep hustling. Just in case you need one more round. 
The Last Call Podcast with Carla Marie and Anthony. One last little taste to hold you over till tomorrow. Available worldwide on the iHeartRadio app. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote this is malcolm gladwell from revisionist history ebay motors is here for the ride with some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed a hundred thousand miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.